This is Real Estate Radio Los Angeles with Todd Jones, where we pull back the curtain and give you a behind-the-scenes look at real estate, finance, and offer you trusted advice. And now, your host, Todd Jones. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Radio Los Angeles. I'm your host, Todd Jones. Today, we'll be pulling back the curtain on a few things that you will certainly want to hear about. So stay tuned. For example, there is something that just about everyone does when buying a home. They get a loan. We'll be speaking with John Tachian of Metro Lending, and he'll provide for you some expert information on the ins and outs of getting a home loan. We're also going to be speaking with a realtor from Houston, Texas, uh, Mark Manaha. You're going to love hearing what homes are going for in Texas. And back by popular demand is Matt Moses of Mimeo Sustainability Consultants to give you very helpful information about solar technology. He's been so popular on my past shows that I've decided to bring him back again by popular demand. The name of the show is Real Estate Radio Los Angeles, but I thought it would be fun to look outside of LA and talk about real estate in another part of the country. Some of you might actually call it another country, (laughs) but it's still part of the good old US of A. I'm speaking of Texas, Houston, Texas, that is, And joining us from the Lone Star State is Mark Manaha, a real estate agent with John Doherty Realtors. Mark and I go way back. In fact, I've known him since we were in college together at Texas A&M, Giga Maggies. And in addition to being a proud Aggie, Mark is a third-generation Houstonian and has been selling real estate for 25 years, 18 of them with John Doherty Realtors, a leading Uh, real estate uh, luxury uh, realtor in Houston, Texas. Mark is also a top producer and will soon be hosting his own radio show in the Houston market. Mark Manaha, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm excellent. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on. That's quite a (laughs) buildup. The country of Texas, I should be saying yeehaw. (laughs) That's right. Or okay. howdy, howdy, y'all. Hey, yeah, uh, exactly. all right, this would not be a normal conversation with you, Mark, if I didn't first ask you the thing I always ask you because I love goading you. Oh, what, no. what is the temperature like in Houston, Texas right now? <laughs> oh, that's cruel coming from Southern California. <laughs> so, so cruel. Uh, yes, it's very humid here and very hot, uh, although it's going to be raining today. So uh, we're actually probably in the low 80s, I think, today. Oh, that's actually... Uh, so it's not terrible. You know, call me call me in August, and then you can really get a good laugh. <laughs> that's right. Well, the uh, you know why everybody doesn't live in, sun, uh, in Southern California, right? Because they can't afford it? Because they haven't been here yet. <laughs> I see. Okay. Absolutely. But uh, all kidding aside, I was born and raised in Houston, so I, I know the wonderful sticky weather. And there are four beautiful days a year in Houston. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, Actually, I have to say, Todd, the, the nice weather in Houston has been building over the last several years. It's interesting, our, quote, winter months. Uh, from like November, actually have spread. The cool weather has actually gone into early May, believe it or not. So uh, we're getting better. We're sneaking up on Southern California, but we're we're not there yet for sure. (laughs) Not quite yet. All right. So, Mark, I thought we'd play a little game today. Uh, I think it would be fun for my listeners to... To, uh, for us to hear about w- what's available in Houston. So why don't you tell me about a property you can get in Houston uh, and and tell me the price at the end, okay? So I want you to, to explain it, describe it. Maybe that one we talked about the other day. 
And then at yeah. the end, tell me the price, and then I'll tell you what you could get for that same price in the L.A. market. So go ahead. Okay, perfect. Okay, well, we have a property. It's actually uh, in one of the more further suburbs from Houston, south of Houston, uh, in Fresno, Texas. It's about uh, about 20 miles south of uh, the Central Business District. It's about a 32-minute drive. This property, it's a 15,000, over 15,400 square foot home built in 02 and completely refurbished in 2013. Uh, seven or eight bedrooms, eight full baths, three half baths, six car garage, has an indoor basketball court, uh, and it's on over seven acres of land. <laughs> okay, okay. That's amazing. So I just want to pause for a minute here <laughs> and let my listeners think, okay, what would that cost in the Los Angeles market, okay? Now, Mark, please tell us in the suburbs of Houston, Texas, what can you get that for? Todd, <laughs> that property is currently listed at $2,395,000. <laughs> That's unbelievable. That, which, would be, which would be a mere garage apartment in Beverly Hills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, so the people in the studio need to get up off the floor because they've just fallen over from shock. But yeah, that's uh, that's quite amazing. So the list price on that was how much? Two two million three ninety five. So two million dollars. All right, I'm just doing a little search for fun on my end here to see what we could get here in the uh, the L.A. market. Okay, Mark, I just took a look here in the L.A. market and I have found a two point two million dollar listing. It's up in the Bird Street, so that's a very nice area above the Sunset Strip. And for the, let's see, your your place was, what, 15,000 square feet? Yes, okay. a little over. Okay. Well, uh, for the same amount of money here in La La Land, I can get you a 2,700-square-foot home on a 4,700-square-foot lot. Not quite the... Good grief. How many acres were you talking about there? Uh, that would be over seven, Todd. <laughs> Well, you know, like I said... You know, enough for the cattle, you know, all the things that people think that we in Texas always have. <laughs> and the oil well in the backyard, right? Exactly. That's right. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Well, uh, the of course, there there are really nice areas in, in Houston, and and we've wanted to show the, the difference there. But there, there's like a, a Beverly Hills of Houston, right? River Oaks? That's right. River Oaks uh, is, is sort of the old money area of Houston. Uh, we actually have several very posh neighborhoods of Houston, but River Oaks, you know, is sort of the, the top. All right. So do you and, have any uh, uh, any homes from those neighborhoods that might be I something do. my L.A. listeners might uh, be able to this relate to? Be, this one, I, I'm actually going to talk about one that not only is a home that would be a little bit more befitting of a lot of the high-end L.A. clients, but also it has a Hollywood tie to it. Oh, well, let's hear it. Uh, this would be a home in River Oaks. It is um, just under 12,000 square feet on 2.8 private acres. Um Interestingly enough, with all that, it's a three-bedroom uh, with eight full baths and four half baths. Wow. Uh, but, what, but, but what's really neat about it is are the grounds. It has this literally resort-like grounds, including not one, not two, but three swimming pools. Wow. Including, including one that is believed to be uh, the largest or one of the largest private pools in the United States. It's literally – it's man-made, but it's almost like – a lake, but wow. it's a swimming pool. It's so big, it has a boat in it. And I'm not talking about like a little kid's boat. I'm talking about like a bass boat. <laughs> Are in you the, serious? In the lake. I, in the lake, truly. I, I almost think you could water ski in this, in this swimming pool. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, 
Anyway, it uh, and also the Hollywood tie is in 1973. Uh, the film "The Thief Who Came to Dinner," starring Ryan O'Neill and Jacqueline Bisset, was filmed here. Oh, that's cool. That so is a, a nice Hollywood tie. A Hollywood tie, and it can be yours uh, today for a list price of fourteen million five hundred thousand. All right, now we are back in the LA prices. That's that's awesome, and that's right in River Oaks. And that's right in River Oaks, so that's real near town. That's mm-hmm. in you know our kind of old guard neighborhood, very close to downtown, uh, right in town. Beautiful, um, beautiful. But area. interestingly enough, that's not the most expensive one. Uh, um, really? Currently, even beating River Oaks right now is we have a home listed out in the Woodlands. Now the Woodlands is uh, a far suburban community that was built uh, by oil man George Mitchell uh, starting in the late 70s uh, that has evolved into this absolutely gorgeous, large community north of Houston. It's about 33 miles north of Houston. It's about a 45-minute drive normally. Right. Um, and there is a house out there on the market currently that was built in 06. It's 30,700 square feet. Wow. On, on 4.2 acres, it's either 10 or 11 bedrooms with 13 full baths and five half baths, a six-car garage, a four-car carport, three wow. elevators, a movie theater. I mean, this is truly a home <laughs> fitting Hollywood for sure. And it's currently on the market uh, for 16.8. Wow. Are, are and there... that's really... I was going to say, that's really the height of Houston. You know, Houston, um, our prices have come up. The market has been very strong here the last uh, almost three years, and the prices have really come up. Houston has always been a very undervalued metropolitan area uh, in comparison to other major cities in Mm -hmm. the United States. I don't know if it's the heat or what, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we are the fourth largest city and, uh, and the prices really have started to come up to where we are certainly not at LA levels, but we are not quite the value we used to be. Let's put it that way. Um, and basically we've had a few transactions that have maybe barely hit the 20 million mark. And I'm talking about, I can count them on one hand. Yeah. Uh, whereas in LA, you know, of course you've had the astounding, uh, Fleur de Lis transaction yep. at over a hundred million recently. And it, Talk about th- there's a Houston connection there too, right? There is a Houston connection. Yes, Suzanne Saperstein, uh, the owner of that property, a longtime Houstonian. Uh, she and her former husband David Saperstein, who built Fleur de Lis, and I have to hand it to that lady. She stuck to her guns. She put it on the market and put a price on it, and she just sat there with her hands crossed and waited. And then ended up and, selling it with multiple offers. And ended up selling it with you know really. I have to hand it to her and and uh, hats off to Suzanne yeah. and. Uh, um, but we really don't see that in Houston. I mean, like I said, we may top the 20 million or right at the 20 million mark, but we don't see anything past right. that yet. Right. By the way, you're listening to Real Estate Radio Los Angeles, and I'm your host, Todd Jones. Uh, this is where we pull back the curtain and give you a behind the scenes look at real estate finance and offer you trusted advice. You can catch this show and past shows at my website at toddjonesradio.com. We're engaged in a riveting conversation with Mark Manaha from Houston, Texas. He's a realtor there, and he's telling us about some of the high price stuff you can get in Houston. And I want to talk to him a little bit more about what the average Joe can get, because if you're listening and you're thinking about moving out of this beautiful state, or maybe you're being transferred to Houston, Mark would definitely be the guy to talk to. Uh, As you've heard him talk, you can see he is an expert in the area. One really cool thing about Mark is not only does he know real estate, and he's been doing it for 25 years, but he also has great stories to tell. He knows a lot of the history about the different areas and the homes themselves. And uh, it does make it uh, even more enjoyable when you're buying a house. So Mark, I want to ask you, do you have any specific areas that you specialize in? Actually, you know, 
Real estate is where the business takes you. Um, you know, I do sell in the River Oaks area, which we've talked about, um, and and really primarily uh, through the west side of Houston. Um, I mean, I could give you a lot of different uh, neighborhood names, but uh, I don't know if that would mean a lot to your to your LA. Right. But basically the West Side. Now, if somebody wanted to move into an affordable neighborhood, three bedroom, two bathroom house, how much money are they looking at for something like that in in what people would consider a nice area? Sure. Actually, there's a very nice neighborhood in West Houston called Briar Grove Park. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are it's it's a neighborhood of about 1300 plus homes. Uh, For instance, they could get a four bedroom, two and a half bath home of maybe uh, 2,700 feet, sort of like the one you were talking about in the Bird Streets, mm-hmm. uh, although on a bigger lot, for sure. Right. Um, and, and the houses in Briargrove Park, you're, you're probably talking about right at, uh, you know, five fifty, six hundred thousand, I guess. Okay. So you know, d- depending upon the house. Exactly. So, you know, that actually doesn't sound too far off of the, uh, the LA market. I mean, and, and certainly there are neighborhoods, you know, obviously in every price range. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you need something in the 200s, you may have to go a little further out. You know, we do have sort of the close-in suburbs, and then we have the far-out suburbs. I mean, Houston, <laughs> well, you, know, you can't get you know, much Texas, for 200 in, in well, LA. <laughs> it, no, you can't. You know, Texas, of course, as you remember, is, is basically fairly flat, and we really don't have any boundaries that are going to keep us from growing. Right. So Houston just keeps expanding and expanding and expanding. Right. Um, yeah, that's true. So, that does that does make for, you know, a lot of possibilities in real estate for people. Yeah. One day, I think uh, we'll see the merging of Dallas and Houston. It's just going to keep; they're both going to keep growing until they touch well, each right other. Right now, it looks like we're going to merge with San Antonio, you know, to our west. That's that's where we're really are truly moving is is the west side. Right. It's continually going on and on. And it's truly uh, flat out there. It's funny. Hey, Mark, uh, I would love to talk for a minute about our our. Uh, where we went to college. We went to Texas A&M. We're both Aggies. That's right. right let's see a That's good right. Texas there. A&M and College Station, Texas, Whoop. which is about uh, an hour and a half uh, northwest of Houston. That's right. And uh, uh, on my first home show. Of the home of Johnny Football. That's right. right. I, I talked about him on my first show. Good old Johnny Football. Looks like you and I will be uh, having to watch the Cleveland Browns now, I guess, right? Exactly. Well, exactly. hopefully he'll do some stuff. I was showing my son, which ironically enough, he didn't know I was talking to you today, and he's wearing a Texas A&M jersey. So you can see I've already started the brainwashing. <laughs> That's right, of course. <laughs> it was like with my dad. He was like, you can go to any college you want to, son, and I'll pay for you to go to Texas A&M. <laughs> That's right. And funny how you did. Yeah, exactly. And I was happy to go there. It was a, it was a great school. Uh, do you happen to have any good Aggie jokes for us? You know, I don't. I'm sorry. I really don't uh, at the moment. I'm, uh, I'm out of the Aggie joke uh, loop myself. I have to think of a good one. The uh, You know, I'll tell you, the one thing that I miss from Texas the most is Bluebell ice cream. Yes. And, and the, creamery, the creamery in Brenham. We have a local uh, Texas A&M uh, club here, and I'm on their email list, and they actually had a party last week that I couldn't make it to, and it was at a place that claims that they're the only place in L.A. that serves Bluebell ice cream, so I'm going to have to go check that out. Wow. And yeah, it, for anyone, anyone from Texas and especially anyone from around the Houston area, that would be a huge venue. <laughs> I know, right? Absolutely. For sure. By the That's, way, if, if there's anyone out there listening that happens to be an Aggie, I'd like to know that you're out there. So why don't you shoot me a text? That could be kind of fun. Let's see. What can we put in the text? How about Gig'em? That would be fun. Gig'em. And uh, if you're an Aggie, you know what that means. If you're not, I'm sorry, you're going to just be left out. And that number you would text to is 310 882 Five five six five. 
Oh, hey, and just for fun, for a little rivalry, if you happen to be from TU, I mean University of Texas, sorry about that, uh, why don't you send me something like horns or hook them, something to that effect. We'll have a little bit, and I'll post on my Facebook page uh, who wins. We'll find out if there are more Aggies or more people from the University of Texas out here. Mark, is there anything else that you want to share with me in the, uh, the Houston market? Um, you know, just only that right now, you know, it's a very, very strong market. It may be actually the, the strongest in the nation at the moment. Uh, Houston, you know, whenever we have a downturn, Houston is usually the first to go, I mean, the, the last to go in it and the first to come out. Right. Uh, and we have had, you know, unprecedented job growth uh, over the last number of years. In fact, this year, our, we've had the highest job growth in 17 years. Wow. Uh, I've been told that there's actually 12,000 people moving to Houston a day. Yeah, a lot of them are coming it, from out here. So if you're... Is what I've, I've been told. And, and the <laughs> right. problem is, you know, we've had, we've had 34 months of successive market growth uh, wow. every month for 34 months. But that ended in May, in May this past May, not because the market suddenly stalled or what, lack of inventory. Yeah. That's have, our biggest problem. We have the same challenge out here. Uh, if you're thinking of moving to Houston specifically and uh, you need a realtor out there, reach out to me. I'll put you in touch with Mark and uh, make sure that you're well taken care of. Mark can help you all over the Houston area. And if, if it happens to be an area he doesn't work in, he can certainly refer you to uh, another trusted agent down in that area. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. Todd, it's been a pleasure as always. And, and certainly, as you know, I absolutely love Southern California, love L.A., and so uh, a big cheers out to all the listeners today. Right, very good. And I'm confident that when you start your radio show in the Houston area, it's going to be fantastic. That's right. We hope to have it up probably by late summer, early fall. Um, it'll be Houston Real Estate Today, and we're uh, getting everything worked out uh, as we speak. All right, excellent. You're going to have me as a guest on your show? I would love to have you as a guest on the show. All right, perfect. Thanks a lot, Mark. It may be hot in Houston, but we have plenty of sun in L.A. and... Coming up at the end of the show, we're going to be talking with Matt Moses of Mimeo Sustainability Consultants about how the sun can save you money. But before we do that, you're going to get all kinds of great information about getting a loan from loan broker John Tachian of Metro Lending. You're listening to Real Estate Radio Los Angeles, and I'm your host, Todd Jones. You can listen to this show and past shows at toddjonesradio.com. Selling your home isn't just about sticking a sign in the yard and waiting for the phone to ring. It's about properly marketing your home and getting every possible buyer to see it, then negotiating well on your behalf. I'm Todd Jones, a licensed real estate broker with Rodeo Realty, and I don't just sell homes, I market them. If you would like a free valuation of your home, go to www.toddjoneshomes.com and click on Sell Your Home. That's toddjoneshomes.com. Welcome back to Real Estate Radio Los Angeles. I'm your host, Todd Jones. This is where we pull back the curtain and offer you a behind-the-scenes look at real estate, finance, and offer you trusted advice. You're listening to The Patriot AM 1150, and you can find past shows and videos at toddjonesradio.com. By the way, that amazing bumper music that you've been hearing throughout the show is from a band called Echo Smith, and it's from their debut album, Talking Dreams. I just happen to have an autographed CD from them, and if you would like a chance to have this CD, then all you need to do is go to my Facebook page and make a comment under the post about Echo Smith. 
One of you will be randomly chosen to receive the album. And while you're there, please like my Facebook page. It's easy to find. Just go to facebook.com slash Todd Jones Radio. That's facebook.com slash Todd Jones Radio and make a comment under the post about Echo Smith. Please don't forget to like the page. We've had a fun conversation with Mark Manaha, a top producing realtor from Houston, Texas. If you're thinking of moving to the great state of Texas, specifically Houston, then please reach out to me and I'll introduce you to Mark. He won't let you down. By the way, the way to reach me for all of your real estate needs is to call my off-air number at 310-882-5565. That's 310-882-5565. Unless you're paying all cash when you buy a property, whether it's a home or a condo, or a duplex maybe, or a triplex or fourplex, you're going to need a loan. And the best person to talk to about loans is a mortgage broker. My next guest is just that. John Tatchgen is a native of Los Angeles. He attended Los Angeles Pierce College in Woodland Hills and studied business management at USC. He began his career as a corporate banker responsible for leading an award-winning management team, overseeing multiple branches and departments, and dramatically increasing profit share. Realizing his passion for real estate, John earned his California real estate license and pursued the field of real estate finance. He has worked with prime investors nationwide, built and managed a team of real estate financial professionals, and partnered with a wide network of realtors, CPAs, and attorneys. And the thing I like most about John is that he gets the job done. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. So I want to know what makes Metro Lending, the company that you work for, different from the rest, the other mortgage brokers that are out there? I think first off, uh, uh, what makes us different is that Metro Lending, uh, we are a uh, direct lender. We are a correspondent lender, uh, which basically uh, we deal with the investors uh, in our office, the underwriters, the processing, everything is done A to Z in our office. We handle everything, and the client deals with me directly. Uh, it's a one-on-one -on -one basis, so we have full control over each transaction. It's funny because I'll be out there, and I'll meet with someone at an open house, or uh, they call me on the phone, and they'll say something to the effect of, uh, you know, I'm looking for a house in such and such price range, and then I politely ask, just out of curiosity, how did you come up with that number? And most of the time, it's, you know, they went on some app or maybe Zillow or Realtor.com or some site online. They plugged in a few things and they figure, okay, well, I know what my rent is. I know I could afford a little more uh, for a $700,000 house with this amount down. I could afford X, right? So, and then I tell them, that's great. That's good information. But the only way to really know if you can afford a house, if you can get the loan, is to be pre-approved. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sure I can I can be a pre-approved. I have good credit. No problem. I'm like, no, no, no. You don't understand. The only way to really know for sure <laughs> is to get pre-approved for a loan. And, and it's so true because when you buy a house, you're actually buying two things. You're buying the house and you're buying a loan. Right. Right. And, uh, I want you to explain to us, what does it mean to be pre-approved for a home? Right. Obviously, you brought up a good point. Uh, getting pre-approved is key when you're buying a house or you're starting to look for a house, uh, especially with the realtor partners uh, that I work with. They almost make it mandatory to get the client pre-approved. 
We try to get them pre-approved for the highest amount that the client will qualify for, which doesn't mean that they need to go out and buy something for that amount. Uh, it's just a matter of a, a point that they, they, know, need, they know exactly what they're qualified what for. What their top end is. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So most importantly, getting pre-approved, and there are some certain steps, and we'll talk about that as far as... Uh, what is needed to get that pre-approval. Yeah, tell, tell us what that Absolutely. is. Absolutely. Uh, a couple of things you need is obviously an application, which you can go to my website and you can fill it out and it goes, you know, uh, you know, you can download it immediately and send it in. How long does it take to do something like that? 10 minutes. Tops. Okay. So 10 minutes. Yeah. That, that's easy. Yeah. And uh, you can also, you would have to also send in your financials, which would be your tax returns, your pay stubs. Uh, there's a whole list of items that are on the website on the website. on the website that you can basically see what's necessary. Not everything is necessary right off the bat. Right. Financials are key. Bank statements are key. Right, so how far back do you have to go on tax returns? A couple years. Okay. A couple years. Two years on that. And then what about bank statements? Just a couple months. Oh, okay. A couple months. Oh, that's cool. And a lot of this stuff, uh, a lot of this stuff is online. Yeah. You, you know, you Just can download, download it, it PDF, exactly. email it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a lot of clients get that stuff over to me within five, 10 minutes, uh, the good no. thing is, again, coming back to what makes us different is we make we do the underwriting in our office. Mm-hmm. So you get an answer almost immediately. Now, underwriting may not be a term that you know what that means out there, right. but that basically is a professional that sits down and looks at everything. And they have a big giant list and they check off all the different things that you put in and and what the values are of those things. And they basically crunch the numbers. Right. We're looking at uh, pretty much all the financials. We're not doing a full-blown uh, underwrite because we don't have a property yet. Right. We're just trying to get to that number that qualifies for the client uh, so we can issue that certificate as far as the pre-approval. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, turn it over back over to the realtor uh, where they go out and, you know, start shopping no, for a house. All right, so uh, what about the credit score? Where, how do you find that out? Well, we run the credit uh, once the client fills out the application. Okay, so filling out the application gives permission to you to pull the credit. Correct. Go ahead and give us your website in case someone wants to do that. Absolutely. It's www.financedbyjohn.com. It's financedbyjohn.com. Okay, great. Now, the uh, what a lot of people may not know is is if you go to a big bank, and I'm not going to name any names, but I can tell you that I've had experience dealing with big banks, and they're not always good. Uh And I always recommend going to a mortgage broker because let me tell you, John will take care of you. He will (laughs) walk you through the process. It matters to him if your loan closes. I mean, let's be frank here. If, if you're just dealing with someone that might be an hourly employee or on, are on salary and they're going to get paid, whether your loan comes through or not, are they going to be as motivated as somebody that doesn't get paid if your loan doesn't go through? They're right. not. They're right. just not going to. All right. And and on top of that, John just has a great work ethic. I, he helped um, uh, a couple that I helped buy a condo and uh, he just did a bang up job, really knocked it Thanks. out of the park for Thanks, these son. guys. And and when I see that kind of work ethic, uh, which I think is similar to the way I work, I like to team up with people like that, which is why I have John on the show. Now, John, there are a bunch of different types of loans out there. And uh, I guess the you know we went through this whole mortgage meltdown and it became virtually impossible to get a loan for a while. And things have definitely swung back the other direction. I mean, these days they do at least check that you have a pulse and stuff <laughs> like that. They weren't doing yeah. that for a while. But uh, what uh, what kind of options are out there? Like if I say, oh, you know, I don't I don't have a lot of money, but I'm paying twenty five hundred bucks a month in rent. What could I do? Could could I buy a house? So what would you tell? Right. Me? I mean, these are these are the questions that uh, right off the bat, uh, 
you know, for the pre-approval process. These are the questions that we try to probe and we ask the client. Uh, the more information a client gives us, the better we can come up with a solution mm -hmm. and a strategy as far as what is the best option for the client. That's the most important thing. Uh, you don't have a lot of money. The credit's not that great. Uh, you know, it could be several different reasons. So uh, there are different options. One of the options would be like an FHA loan. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you don't have a lot of money, you can get into a house uh, with three and a half percent down. Three and a half percent down. Three and a half percent down. Absolutely. That's so. that's like first and last month's rent, basically. Pretty much. Yeah. Depending on the price. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. Uh, and now, is there a limit for how high the the value? Can absolutely. Be? I mean, it goes by the county, uh, depending on the county that you're looking right, for so the most property. Most people so are in LA, LA County. LA County. LA County. You know, you can go up to six twenty five five hundred. Uh, that's the uh, limit that is set by uh, HUD. Uh, and now, also, is that the purchase price or the loan amount? That's the loan amount. All right, that so it could actually amount. be a little higher depending on how much money exactly. you're putting down. But exactly. if you're only putting 3.5%, not much. Now, so right. basically every case is a little different, but that's what you do as a Pretty professional. Much. You look at everything and evaluate these it and decide. Are, yeah, these are the questions that we ask to find out exactly where the client stands right. and what the situation is. Uh, so again, circle back to the pre-approval process. This is the right off the bat initial conversation mm -hmm. that we have with the client uh, is to find out exactly where they stand uh, so we can determine how much they're qualified for. Gotcha. Now, uh, some people may actually have been really diligent and saved a lot of money and maybe they think, you know, I have... 20% down, and that would put them in line for what we call a conventional loan. Correct. Right, And and you actually don't need 20% to get a conventional loan, right? Not necessarily. But if you pay less than 20%, you're going to be paying... You're going to be paying PMI, basically. Right. basically tell, what, tell that us what that is. Yeah, what that stands for is private mortgage insurance. That's uh, anything less than 20% uh, down, uh, Would uh, there would be a private mortgage insurance. It's kind of like an insurance premium the banks make you take. Uh, that you have to have that uh, uh, to qualify, right? Uh, for them to approve. A so loan. be making a little payment on that every month. Exactly, and and you know it can be tax deductible. It's something you have to talk to your accountant about. Right. I'm not an accountant, obviously. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> we make that disclaimer a lot. <laughs> we are not accountants. <laughs> All right, the uh, that's very interesting. So twenty percent down, you can avoid the the mortgage insurance. Right. right. Uh, with FHA, you actually pay mortgage insurance up front and monthly. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. The FHA is determined by HUD, obviously. Uh, the guidelines are pretty much determined. They're the same guidelines across any bank, any lender you go to. So right. those are not determined by the lender or the bank. I mean, these are HUD guidelines. So, you know, you walk into any bank or you come to me or anybody else, it would be the same guidelines. What, what is much. HUD? HUD would be uh, the housing uh, and urban development, uh, basically, that governs and sets the rules on a lot of right. these things. So, okay. What about credit score? If I'm getting an FHA loan, what what do I need? Uh, credit score, I mean, it doesn't have to be that great. I mean, we, we've done stuff with six, a 620 plus mm -hmm. uh, credit score. The higher the credit score gets, the better the rates get. So, gotcha. you know, the less of a PMI uh, structure, it happens as well, too. So, so if your credit score is not that great, uh, you can still get a loan. Absolutely. Something to think about. Absolutely. There's always, like you said earlier, I mean, there is always uh, a, a solution, a workaround that we mm -hmm. try to look at. So the more information that the client gives us up front, uh, the better determination we can kind of guide the client, obviously, to the correct location. So... By the way, you're listening to Real Estate Radio Los Angeles. I'm your host, Todd Jones. You can uh, find this show and other shows at toddjonesradio.com. I also have some great YouTube videos on there as well where you can see some of my past guests. We're going to have this uh, up as well at toddjonesradio.com. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the credit score because uh, a lot of people, they may have said, oh, I got my 
pre-approval from a big bank. I don't want to go to someone else because they're going to pull my credit and that's going to affect my credit score. So is that true? Does it really affect their credit score? Yes, it's true. Actually, it is. So uh, another beauty that we uh, clients love working with me, obviously, is because we are a direct lender. I work with several different banks and several different investors. So instead of you going around town, going to different banks, big banks, walking in, trying to approve or pre-approve or apply for a loan, uh, you come to me, we pull the credit once, and it's only one inquiry on your credit report, and we use that same credit report for all banks. To so shop around, basically. To shop around for the best possible program, the best possible rates, you know, whatever works best for the client. So instead of getting five inquiries on your credit report, you just got one, uh, and that's basically it. That's and, very nice. Absolutely. Yeah. So clients love that. Clients love that. Absolutely. And that's another reason I always say uh, to use a mortgage broker because they they can go to all the different people. And here's the funny thing. A big bank may, if you go to them directly, you may actually get a better deal by going with someone right. like John right. than going directly with the bank. It's the weirdest thing. There's a big difference because obviously we have, uh, we do stuff on a wholesale level with the banks. It mm -hmm. can be the same banks like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you walk into, uh, there's a retail and a wholesale kind of end. Uh, the big banks that you walk in, the brick and mortar, those are the retail end of it. You know, I'm, I'm saying this only because I've been on the back end. Obviously I mm -hmm. work in corporate banking. I know how things operate on that, on that level. Uh, so versus something, you know, when we're, when you're dealing with me, like currently, you know, when we have all the control mm -hmm. uh, and we're dealing with all the banks on a wholesale level. All right. So, so we, we've just gone through this terrible uh, cycle, uh, which affected a lot of people. There were some people that had to file for bankruptcy. There were some people that had their homes foreclosed on. There were some people that did short sales. And for those people that have gotten back on their feet, they managed to put a little money aside. They've, they've repaired their credit somewhat. Uh, how... Are they going to be able to get a loan right now? Like, what what do those three different things do in terms of their buying power? Bankruptcy, foreclosure, and short sale. Again, a lot of these questions that you brought up, uh, it all depends. I'm going to say it all depends. So it all depends on what the situation is mm -hmm. of the client. Foreclosure, how long has it been? Uh, is it a short sale? Is it settled for less? So it all depends on the verbiage that's on the credit report. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these things are determined by Fannie and Freddie Mac, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Uh, so when we underwrite it, we basically underwrite it with those guidelines. And uh, a lot of these banks uh, follow Fannie and Freddie Mac guidelines. So it all depends on exactly what you have on there, what they've reported on your credit report uh, and the way it's worded. Right. So it makes a world of a difference. So can you still get a loan if there's a bankruptcy? The general uh, answer is it all depends because I'm going to say nine out of 10, possibly, mm. you know, not if it was just discharged last week that's mm -hmm. not going to happen right you know uh, generally what is it like three years have to have passed it, exactly three years uh there are some investors that you know are taking a risk a little bit you know a uh, stronger appetite for risk uh a year into it so so, so which is worse uh, uh like in terms of getting a loan a short sale or foreclosure <laughs> so short sale foreclosure again uh which is worse, probably foreclosure. Yeah. Okay. All right. Look, if you're thinking of buying a home or maybe doing a refi, then you should talk to John. I can't stress enough how important it is to get pre-approved for a loan. So that I can make the introduction, just text me the word loan, and I will be sure that John contacts you. So send the word loan to my off-air number, 310-882-5565. That's 310-882-5565. After you do that, I'll put you in touch with John. John will take 
excellent care of you and make sure that you know exactly what you're looking for. And most importantly, he'll let you know if there's any planning that you need to do, like paying off some debt or maybe work a little bit on your credit score, things like that. John will do all of this for free, but he can't help you if you don't reach out. So text the word LOAN to my off-air number at 310-882-5565, and I'll make sure that John Tetchin of Metro Lending contacts you. John, thank you so much for being on the show. I Thanks really for having me, Todd. It's been great. You know, uh, definitely. And you're probably one of my best agents out there. I'll tell you that. I, I mean, appreciate you, you, that. You're just you're just awesome, man. I mean, uh, ethics are key in this business, and 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 you're 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 a huge uh, uh, example of that. So thank definitely. you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. After the break, we're going to talk about some California sunshine and how it can help your pocketbook. Stay tuned, and we'll speak with Matt Moses of Mimeo Sustainability Consultants. You're listening to Real Estate Radio Los Angeles, and I'm your host, Todd Jones. Selling your home isn't just about sticking a sign in the yard and waiting for the phone to ring. It's about properly marketing your home and getting every possible buyer to see it, then negotiating well on your behalf. I'm Todd Jones, a licensed real estate broker with Rodeo Realty, and I don't just sell homes, I market them. If you would like a free valuation of your home, go to www.toddjoneshomes.com and click on Sell Your Home. That's toddjoneshomes.com. We walk like there's nothing wrong. Welcome back to Real Estate Radio Los Angeles. I'm your host, Todd Jones. This is where we pull back the curtain and give you a behind-the-scenes look at real estate, finance, and offer you trusted advice. You're listening to The Patriot AM 1150. You can find this show and past shows at toddjonesradio.com. I'm pleased to welcome back Matt Moses, the CEO and founder of Mimeo Sustainability Consultants. This is his third appearance on Real Estate Radio Los Angeles, and he offers such great advice that I've asked him to come back again. A goal of Real Estate Radio Los Angeles is to offer you trusted advice by introducing you to exceptional companies that can help you make smarter choices that can positively affect your life. That's why I'm bringing Matt back. He just has a lot of great things to tell us. Matt Moses is the CEO and founder of Mimeo Sustainability Consultants. He wants to share with you his passion for sustainable living by telling you how you can drastically reduce your carbon footprint along with your energy costs by tapping into the natural power of the sun. Mimeo specializes in building residential and commercial solar systems. Don't just think of them as a solar panel company. Think of them as sustainability consultants. Matt Moses, welcome back to the show. So fun to be back. You know, we mention this each time, and I want you to explain again, and just in case there's someone out there that hasn't heard before, what does it mean to be a sustainability consultant? Um, well, we consider ourselves educators and advisors to our customers. We have a, a customer-focused mission, and that is to make the solar experience exceptional. And that includes educational and informal, inf- informational, empowering, and most of all, affordable. Um, we also are unique from other solar companies because we embrace what we call an energy efficiency first approach. And that means we look for low-cost ways to lower your energy usage first And then we look to build a solar power system that will generate um, the rest of your energy needs. And doing this can save people thousands, tens of thousands of dollars uh, in unneeded solar panel costs. And then finally, 
um, we have a notable accreditation, um, a lead accreditation from the United States Green Building Council. And LEAD uh, stands for Leadership in uh, Energy and Environmental Design. Um, so basically, we're much more than a solar company. And what I want to find out is, You've mentioned in the past other ways you can save money on power, and I just love that approach. It's like, okay, we're not going to come in and sell you all these solar panels just so you can keep your power where it is. It's like, first, let's figure out a way to knock this down, which you may not have even thought of. I mean, we're not talking about people putting their air conditioner at 78 degrees. We're talking about things like the the variable speed uh pump for the pool. Yes, the variable speed pool pump. What are some other examples of ways that people can lower their costs first before putting in the solar panels? For homes, it can be, uh, it's a little bit tricky because there are uh, some some items like that variable speed pool pump, which reduce energy usage up to 90%. Um, But many homes, especially in Los Angeles, have been built, you know, our our 80% of our housing inventory is, is quite old. So homes are at different uh, degrees or levels of, uh, of renovation. Some right. people still have very old, uh, uh, inefficient appliances. Uh, some people don't have any insulation in their homes. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of uh, different ways that you can, you can do those things. But, um, an easy way is just sometimes people have three refrigerators. There's one in the bar and one in the garage that they never use. And, and then of course there's their main refrigerator, but, uh, variable speed pool pumps, uh, Air conditioning units that are that are old, right? Those, those are other ways yeah, because those are those are the, those are those are motors. Yeah, you, the old ones just suck the power, right? Pretty much, yeah. Yep. And there's new there's new systems because uh, that's something that everyone is going to need to replace. So many of those things, it's it's uh, the it's better advice to replace them as they wear out. But anything with a motor really is something that can be attended to, and um, some pretty dramatic energy efficiency savings can be achieved. Gotcha. And then uh, for a business, I mean, businesses have way more motors and fans. And you think of a restaurant who has a walk-in freezer for, for all of their food. Um, uh, using similar variable speed technologies uh, on those fans where they don't need to be running 24-7. They can be, uh, because interestingly, in, a, in that environment, in a walk-in freezer or refrigerator, um, 30% of the energy that's used to cool that uh, that refrigerator is from the heat that's generated from its own fan, its own motor. So by putting those on frequency drives and then digitally controlling those because they don't need to be running that much, you know, those are that that's another uh, notable uh, energy efficiency uh, improvement that we can done for a, a business. I've said it before and I'll say it again. When you deal with Matt, you're dealing w- with someone with way more knowledge than the average solar guy. I mean, he just knows so much about the, the big picture and the way to look at it, and not to mention the, the technology, which I want to talk about right now. You know, I see these solar panels and they look like something from a science fiction movie and they, they usually have like a black cover with all these little uh, grids on them. How the heck does it work? Like, what makes solar energy create electricity? Um, interestingly, it's actually quite simple. It's a very simple technology and it's been around for a very long time. Hmm. But what happens is, uh, is so those solar panels that we all have recognized, um, those are made of silicon. And silicon is a, uh, you know, basically comes from sand. It's a high-grade silicon. And that's a semiconductor. And a, sem- a semiconductor is a material that when, um, when light hits it, um, it will excite electrons. And those electrons then form a single file row, which is known as direct current power. Mm-hmm. So 
You don't need a full like full, AC and DC. That's exactly. the DC. So that okay. brings us to the. So basically, solar panels are just being hit by photons, which are generating electrons. Which is the sun rays. Correct. Which is the sun rays, and then those are all collected. So those need to be fed into a device that, as you just mentioned, we actually use alternating current power in our homes and our businesses. So that needs to be converted um, via a device called a solar inverter. Um, and that is the brains of your system. So that might sit, depending on the model that you have, might sit right next to your electrical panel, or it might be located under each individual solar panel, which okay. is known as a microinverter. So they convert that direct current power to alternating current power, and then that feeds right into your electrical panel. And so what happens is, is your home uses or your business uses the energy that it needs, and the rest of it, since electricity needs to keep moving, flows right onto the electrical grid. And that's when you're, where we hear your meter going backwards. Uh. So your meter becomes, uh, you know, that that uh, that meter that's located on your electrical panel becomes a mine bank. looks like a fan. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> might have you might have an old wheel in there. Yeah. yeah. So that becomes a bank account of sorts. So as you are generating surplus power, which you will in the middle of the summer on a on a sunny day, um, you're using more than you consume. So that's going to go through your meter. And you're going to start getting credit for that power, and so your bill is basically going backwards. And then when it's when it's dark outside or raining, or at nighttime, um, you're going to be drawing from that power surplus. So the goal then is to create a system that will generate all of your power each calendar year, because that's when we design the system. We look at the your energy history. We'll look at the last okay. 12 months of your energy history, and by knowing how many kilowatt hours you use, which is what we're built in, that tells us how many solar panels you would need to generate that power with your particular conditions, meaning which way the orientation of your roof, the amount of space that you have and, and the wattage of the panels that we need to use. And then your shading factor, of course, which is the most important because the more sun that you get, the more direct sunlight and the less shade, the more productive your panels are gonna be. Therefore, the fewer of them you're gonna need to generate your needs. And then the, the system is gonna cost less because you're gonna need less equipment and the payback will be faster. By the way, you're listening to Real Estate Radio Los Angeles. I'm your host, Todd Jones. This is where we pull back the curtain and give you a behind-the-scenes look at finance, real estate, and offer you trusted advice. You can listen to this show and past shows at toddjonesradio.com. We're talking with Matt Mimios of, I'm sorry, we're talking with Matt Moses of Mimios Sustainability Consultants. Does that happen very much? Um, not for a while, but every once in a while. <laughs> hey, man, no, 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 that's just the company. So uh, we're talking to him about solar power, and he just explained in layman's terms how it works. I can't believe how simple it is. Uh, and what uh, what I'm curious about is, you know, I always hear people say, I'd love to go off the grid. And you kind of mentioned it already. It sounds like you can generate enough power to where you are... Uh, basically saving it up so at night when you use power, you've already given that back to the utility company that they can use somewhere else. But um, can you be off the grid entirely where you you don't even need power from from the city? Um, that's a great question. So um, yes, in theory, many people are removing themselves from the grid. But since electricity always needs to be moving, unless there's some sort of storage mechanism, we are always connected to that grid because. I don't know, what if the sun didn't shine for a week? You would want to be connected to that grid so you can draw from it. I mean, the yeah. one thing about the utilities is reliability. Like, they get you power when you need it. So many people, though, um, who, who, who might be in an area, a rural area or something that doesn't have uh, electrical lines that feed into the, the grid, they can go off-grid. And that's a system that involves the solar panels and a, and a, a solar inverter and a piece of equipment that's going to regulate uh, power from a bank of batteries, 
which are going to store that power to the solar panels and to the home. So here in the city or where we're already connected to the grid, it's not that easy. So right. battery storage is now being viewed as the next generation here because um, we've seen with different catastrophes that natural gas generators and diesel generators are really not going to do much for you in a catastrophe because the first thing that shut down is the natural gas lines. You're not going to get any gas for that generator. And then diesel and fuel is going to be very difficult to find if you ever find it. And you'll run out of it. And, and then after you run out of it. And you'll <laughs> run out of it. Yeah. So solar is a great option to mm -hmm. ha to be able to power those batteries. Right. So the challenges are um, it's, it is a complex system to be able to, to do this. So how that system would work is you'd have your solar system, the panels, the inverter, um, and you know your your electrical panel. But then you'd have additional equipment that then would sense when that grid goes down, it's time to shut off the the grid. And mm. so the grid is isolated from your new system. And then the solar panels are going to be connected to those batteries and that piece of equipment that will regulate that charge. And then we will have selected particular electrical loads that you want backed up in an emergency. Uh, so most people wouldn't, it would be expensive to back up your entire home because right. you've got a pool pump running and you don't, you, you have an air conditioning unit. So just the ones, lights, computers, televisions, you know, those things, gotcha. we put those on their own, uh, their own load center. Oh, so cool. those would be backed up. So the, the question then comes to, you know, how easy is it to do these things? And it's, Getting easier, but there's up until very recently, for instance, the investor-owned utilities in California were not allowing battery storage systems to be connected. Mm. Um, they hadn't been given guidance from the Public Utilities Commission. Um, so uh, the communication with the customers was not the best. But once that happened, now we've been able to connect them. And other countries are seeing that battery storage is an incredible advantage and uh and, and something the utilities want to embrace because if we think about what we can do with battery storage, if it's 105 degrees outside in Los Angeles, the power demand is huge. Yeah, we have these brownouts. Exactly. We could have those brownouts. And that's because the utility is doing all it can to deliver that power. Uh, everyone's running their air conditioners. Everyone's at work. Um, so what if we could just shift people off to batteries that are already charged up um, during those peak times? And so they could run off their batteries. You're removing... Hmm demand from that grid that's cool and so that is what there's the utilities are starting to so it actually benefits them too. it would benefit them in a huge way because they don't have to deliver power at the absolute most right. expensive time so that's where we're moving towards and other countries are really pushing that germany and japan have had huge incentive programs for this so the technologies are still not great i mean lithium-ion batteries are now becoming available mm -hmm. but to be honest the batteries that are being used for that are car batteries they're yeah. just they're just lead acid batteries, wow. and there's a lot of there's a lot of disadvantages to those. Yes. So um, that's one of the things that some of the the, the companies now are doing in in um, in inventing new or improving battery technology right. so that they can charge more often. Like the batteries you have in a Tesla, for exactly. example. Exactly. Exactly. So, but the the average person listening that wants solar in their home, this is way beyond what they need. If, if you're considering solar, you just want to minimize your, your power bill. And, and I always ask anyone, if it was free, would you do it? And they're always like, of course I would do it. And it's not free necessarily, but it can pay for itself over the long term, right? Um, in many instances now, we're, it's paying for itself over the short term. Um, because with certain utilities, as we been, we spoke about last, last mm -hmm. show, right. um, different utilities have different costs of power. And some of them are highly punitive. So by simply uh, going solar, you're eliminating 32 cent or 40 cent per kilowatt hour power. Mm. That's going to result in a in a 
four to six year payback. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a hard return to find in a market right now with zero percent rates right. in your in your bank account. So you know, last week we did talk about the different financing mechanisms and the pros and cons of leasing versus um, you know purchasing the system versus uh, getting a loan for the the solar system. Right now uh, we are seeing since banks are lending again, there's a lot of loan options for for solar customers where they can um, easily meet their current energy payment, meaning that loan payment will will equal or be less than what they pay for electricity uh. right now. But um, as opposed to a lease or in contrast to a lease, you never own that system if you lease that system. You're going to be paying this payment for all these years and you may be saving a little, you may be saving a lot, you may be not saving anything, mm -hmm. but you got to give that system back. Someone else owns that. So with these new loan programs that are available, it's uh, much more advantageous for the customer to look at those because some of them are 12 years long, some of them are 20 years long, but there's no premium excuse me, there's no prepayment penalties mm -hmm. on many of those. So it's just a much smarter option to know that uh, if you did need to buy it out, you would be able to do that easily, what you can't necessarily do with a lease. And um, you are at least uh, paying no more than your current electricity bill. And um, that that path to ownership is clear. That's brilliant. And that also makes it easier to sell your home because uh, it's really hard to sell a home that has a leased system on top that could cost 300 bucks a month, right? Well, yeah, we've we've seen different scenarios. One would think that if you're locking yourself into a low cost of power for 20 years, that the next owner would want that that leased solar system. But people are wild cards. Some people don't want to lease anything. Some right. people um, are so unfamiliar with solar and what that leasing financial arrangement is, it makes them uncomfortable. So there are there are some downsides to those leases. Right. Okay. Look, if you're listening right now and thinking, if this were free, I would definitely get it. It may not be free, but it could pay for itself over time like we just talked about. And the only way to know that for sure is to have Matt evaluate your situation to see if solar is right for you. So let me introduce you to Matt, and he will definitely give you something for free, an evaluation, right? So, so that I can make the introduction, just send me a text to my off-air number at 310-882-5565. And in that text, put the word solar and I will put you in touch with Matt. He's already been helping out a lot of my listeners, and there's no reason you shouldn't be one of them. It's free. It doesn't cost you anything. 310-882-5565. Text me the word SOLAR. Matt, thanks again for, uh, for joining us. It's been great having you. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. This is Todd Jones, your host of Real Estate Radio Los Angeles, where we pull back the curtain and offer you a behind-the-scenes look at real estate, finance, and offer you trusted advice. If you'd like to discuss anything related to today's topics, please text me or call me directly at my off-air number, 310-882-5565. I'd like to thank Phil Giangrande for producing today's show and all of our guests. Thanks to Mark Manaha, a realtor of John Doherty Realtors in Houston, Texas. Thanks to the mortgage broker, John Tachian of Metro Lending for all of his insights about loans. And finally, thanks for my returning guest, Matt Moses of Mimeo Sustainability Consultants for discussing the latest in solar technology. And I'd like to also thank my 14-year-old son, Liam, who's been helping me on every one of my shows. Again, my off-air number is 310 882 5565. Call me if you have any real estate related needs because you have a resource in the business. Again, you can always catch this show and past shows at ToddJonesRadio.com. Have a great day.